turning your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Let's do another gotcha. show. Yeah, why it. not? What the hell? It's yeah, great. I texted it to you. It's already going. Here we go. Brothers, sisters, siblings, welcome to Penn Sunday School. I'm Matt Donnelly, filling in for Michael Goudeau, who's juggling somewhere stupid and not here with this smart guy, Lawrence Kraut. <laughs> not even juggling, he's on a bus. It's, oh, he's on a bus. What a useless guy. All right, anyways, Penn's here, I'm here. This is part two of our conversation with Lawrence Kraut. This guy started the Origins Project. He's a theoretical physicist and other things on Wikipedia as well. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, preach your love. I love the research you do for this program. It all, that impresses me the Top most. Top notch. <laughs> <laughs> you said that very New England. I did. I went for New England. Yeah. Top notch. Top notch. Um, so, the uh, the James Webb Telescope. Yes. Now Which you can still say. Yeah. The the Hubble. Mm -hmm. um, how we're, how how much stuff directly related to you came out of the Hubble? Oh, gee, a tremendous amount. I mean, directly made in my research. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I mean, need, yeah. I need your kitchen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, I mean, the Hubble, not only, I mean, the Hubble, Hubble was amazing for two reasons. It, first of all, it, it really, more than any other scientific instrument, I think, captures the public's imagination. I mean, all those pictures, just the, the images of the universe, those capture people's imaginations as much as anything else. But the... But it was, but basically every major observation that affected our understanding of the expansion of the universe, of the formation of structure in the universe, uh, even of the existence of dark matter, and, and, and things that are related to our understanding of black holes, the Hubble played an essential role in that. It's really, it, it's really kind of amazing uh, because it, it, uh, it's not a very big telescope. It's just getting out of the atmosphere was, uh, was the, was the, 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 the remarkable and being able to look at at not just getting under the atmosphere because the atmosphere makes it hard to see things, but also the atmosphere absorbs light in certain wavelengths, and and being able to see outside those wavelengths. But but the Hubble played a key role in, for example, measuring exploding stars. Exploding stars are the things we use as markers around the universe to tell us what the universe is doing, because exploding stars live in galaxies, and if we can measure the exploding stars, we can see what the galaxies are doing, how fast they're moving away from us, how far they are away from us. So it played an essential role in the, in the discovery of, 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 of what we call dark energy, the energy of empty space. And when did it go up? When did Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. It go up a while ago. <laughs> I don't. I you know it's a good question. I don't even remember now. I, I bet it went up 
And it was I, the nineties, right? I, I yeah, with oh no, it was it would have been before the nineties? I think. Oh, really? It would have been like I thought. So this is the next the eighties because I was still teaching at Yale. I think when the when yeah, because I was I'm pretty sure I was teaching at Yale when it nineteen ninety, which was the eighties, and that's when they discovered that they made He's a song. Got the answer, by the way, nineteen ninety. Yeah, what was it? Nineteen ninety. Well, that's the late eighties. <laughs> <laughs> it still has a toe in the eighties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but but you know, remember the problem with the Hubble was that it was built wrong, right? Mm -hmm. That's amazing. And so it was very important that it was in near Earth orbit, which is why the why the future telescopes like James Webb. Have to be perfect because no one's going out to fix the James Webb Space Telescope if it's broken. Yeah, and a lot has to go right. A lot. It's, it's just really incredibly hard. Is it like football field size? Well, it's not quite football field size, but it opens up to be uh, basically ten times bigger, more or less than the than the Hubble Space Telescope, say more like eight meters or something like that, and uh, and it has to unfold. It has to unfold exactly right. And and it has to be it has to do it in a way where it's never looking at the sun because not going around the earth it's it's in a, it's in uh, in a point w that's more like what's called a Lagrange point where basically gravity keeps it in its orbit around the sun and it's so it's a million miles away from the earth so it is it will be orbiting the sun yeah on its own on its own not really orbiting us not orbiting us absolutely not so there must be another satellite around the sun like the earth is. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing. And it, I think the distance is about a, a few, well, maybe it's even more than a million miles, but I forget, but it's somewhere around that. But the, or is it a billion miles? Or a trillion. <laughs> the moon <laughs> goes around the Earth. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> but you're telling me that the, the web won't go around the Earth. No, the web will not go around the Earth. So where is it in relation to the moon? Well, the, you know, the, it'll be... It'll be sort of dragging behind the Earth as it, it'll be. It, so you shoot it out. It's, it's but it's not outside the orbit of the Moon, is it? Yeah, outside the orbit of the Moon. Yeah, the Moon is only two hundred forty thousand miles away from us. That's less than a million. Yeah, so it's it's, it's four times the distance of the Moon. At least, yeah, yeah, it's far away. Wow. So even Mike Collins couldn't drive it out. Yeah, no, even he couldn't, and that means we won't be going out to fix it. Yeah, oh, and, I won't be. And all of the next generation. Yeah, you I'm out. Yeah, Just I'm, for, out. I'm for definitely out. Votes. I'm but out. I all of the next generation kind of big space projects we're doing are going to be uh, deep space in that in that way because it's a much better environment to work in. I mean, if no. you're near, it is if you're trying to not to see the Earth, <laughs> <laughs> which is not in the list of my goals. Yes, not at all. Secret. I agree. It's a crummy place. No, but you hit once again. Maybe randomly. That you hit on is a, a hostile work environment. <laughs> yeah, it is. A million it, miles from It is a, from literally a hostile work environment. And you, and but the data is so valuable, Penn. Perhaps randomly you hit on a really important point. Despite your best efforts. That is one of the reasons why I like non-human space exploration. Because space is not a good place for humans to be. It's not... It, we waste so much money putting humans into space compared to the James Webb Space Telescope. Well, my, uh, my buddy Rob Pike, who I've talked about a lot, who, mm -hmm. who worked on the Hubble, who's yeah. also he's on the board of directors for the, uh, the James Webb, mm -hmm. um, uh, he is one of the real anti-humans in space people. It's. I mean, it's not that I'm against humans in space. I just don't think we should make mon make uh, spend money pretending they're doing science in space. I don't mind humans going into space and killing themselves or whatever they want to do. I mean, it's adventure. Some of us are objectives. Well, yeah. Uh, you know, actually, to be, 
to be re- brutally frank, I think one of the reasons that people are so captivated by humans in space is simply the possibility that they could die. Yeah, that's why you know it's it's because it's a risk, but it's adventure. I I actually once testified before Congress with Buzz Aldrin on the future of space exploration, and and said, look, you know, it's okay to spend money on adventure, but don't take the money from the science to do it, because the problem with a human putting humans in space and pretending to do science is ninety nine point nine percent of the cost is to keep the humans alive. Mm-hmm. And the point one percent is to do a little science. I mean, I don't know this International Space Station, biggest boondoggle in the world as far as science is concerned. I used to say years ago, the biggest, the best science experiment you could do would be to let it crash into the ocean, see how big a wave. <laughs> but but uh, well, yeah. Well, I read um, I read Dragonfly uh-huh. and a couple other books. Boy, you don't. It's like being in the porta potty. For Circus Vargas, yeah, yeah, that's really loud and sloshing around and sloshing around. It must, I understand, it stinks. It's not a. The smell not, is supposed to be horrible. Yeah, yeah, it must. It's a, not a not a fun place to be. And 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 even then, the whole notion that it's in space. I mean, it is in space, but let's face it, it's closer. A few times a day, it's closer to if if you if you live in Boston and you look up at the at the International Space Station, it's farther to go to New York. <laughs> right than it is to go to the international space station it's just it's so close to the earth it's not and they're less apt to lose less apt to lose your luggage <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. yeah less apt to lose your lunch no tolls but um uh so it's what what you do learn and this is this is you have to be a friend about it. what you do learn by putting humans into space is how to keep humans alive in space mm-hmm. that's and that's almost all you learn mm-hmm. and uh and so the the real science that NASA does doesn't involve humans. So you're not uh, you're not jacked up about the idea of going to Mars. Oh, I, no. I mean, not not only jacked up. It's just it's science fiction. It ain't going to happen in the near future. No matter what Elon Musk says, and I know Elon, and it, it's just it, it's it's a it's a danger. Space exploration is expensive and dangerous, mm-hmm. and um, people die. I, I like to point out that. Probably the best tested piece of apparatus, the transportation apparatus that might have existed was the space shuttle when it was operating. Mm-hmm. 2% of the people that went up in the space shuttle died. If 2% of the people who went in airplanes died, there wouldn't be airplanes flying, mm-hmm. or cars even. And so it's dangerous and expensive. And going to Mars, it isn't like Matt Damon, because you couldn't live on the surface of Mars for two, three years without dying of radiation. From radiation, you have to be sort of more or less protected underground. Getting there itself. So this has, is it, why uh, you are such a strong denier of us having gone to the moon, right? You exactly, say that was totally yeah. faked. It was totally faked. <laughs> the radiation, that, that, the that, Van Allen belt would have taken you right. Yeah, out. Yes. No, but the moon is in the near is 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 influenced by the Earth. We're talking about interplanetary space and the, and radiation, and we're not talking about going for three days, right? Right, which is how long it took to get there, and then three days back. We're talking eighteen months. Of oh. traveling in this stuff and so look i think am i opposed to humans doing it no but the rationale for doing it like all of this is geopolitical and as well as anything else is to is it's a pissing contest between countries uh i and this and I'm all- certainly what you cannot deny put aside all of space <laughs> okay it's a lot put aside <laughs> <laughs> that's right uh 
there were huge techno technological breakthroughs that came from the space from doing it and yeah but the, but and that's true and there was tang let's not forget tang, that tang. but and, but and space pens yeah yeah and space pens but you cannot and the, as a particle physicist i know this problem very well when people tried to justify the big uh accelerator in waxahachie texas you you they tried to justify it by saying there are going to be huge technological spin-offs from building this complex technology. You can't justify a big science project by the potential spin-offs that are come for it. If it isn't worth doing for its own sake, it's not worth we doing. We might get really good gum. Yeah, well, anytime <laughs> you spend $10 billion on technology, you're going to discover some really neat technology. <laughs> so that's true. But you can't justify it from the, you know, uh, uh, Apollo for its scientific spin-offs. And I mean, it was an amazing, I mean, Apollo was an amazing engineering thing, yeah. right? I mean, you know that your 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 iWatch has more more computing power than the Apollo spacecraft but, but not by a little bit. Yeah, by a lot. By yeah. a lot. I know. By it's a amazing crazy lot. And I, and I, let's, and, but the, But also, I have a mad crush on Mike Collins. He's like my favorite person He's your world. favorite person? I do love Mike would Collins. Would you want to be stuck in a capsule with him? No! <laughs> no! Okay. No, okay. I wouldn't. Well, well, but, you know, Buzz was an interesting guy well, when well, I was with him. Well, the, Buzz was from favorite. Jersey. Was he like an edgy jerk to you? Was he sarcastic? What was he? He was actually, he impressed me, actually. Mike when, Collins said, which I really love, Buzz Aldrin couldn't get over being the second mm -hmm. man to start walk on the moon Enough. No, sorry. Couldn't get over not being the first man to walk on the moon. Enough to enjoy being the second. Yeah. No. No. It's true. I also, mean, I told this uh, on the show already, but it made me laugh so much. You know, we're backstage at a theater in Austin, mm -hmm. and people signed the wall from the shows. Yeah. And obviously, they had an authors' night. Yeah. And there was Buzz Aldrin had signed. Yeah. Buzz Aldrin underneath parentheses Apollo Eleven. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> like, if you're Buzz Aldrin, you, you should you, not uh, need a deposit. You should, yeah, exactly. You shouldn't need to do that. <laughs> he, the, the, well, maybe because he knew the Congress people would be fawning over him. I was, when I went with him to do, well, I didn't, when I went there to testify with him, I didn't go with him. It was a very intimidating thing because I kind of figured I was, I mean, I was just window dressing. I was very, you know, it's one of those times where I was impressed by Congress. In the sense, you know, if you go to Washington, you can find out there are a lot of people who are actually working pretty hard on behalf of other people. It's it, They get bad rap. But I remember some, I was questioned, and some t backwoods Texas congressman said, you know, actually had a question for me, and said, Professor Krauss, I've read your book, you know, whatever it was, and I thought, you know, wow, it really impressed me that that happened. That, and they already knew, by the way. I said, now, I said at the time, I said, the International Space Station is a waste of money. Mm -hmm. And they knew it. They already knew it. They saw the cost overruns. They already knew it, but it was a, a political issue. And, uh, well, and know, I the, think the Obama book, you know, mm -hmm. I read the Obama book, and one thing I learned from that was that there are a huge number of people in politics that are really working hard to make people people's lives better. Yeah. They yeah. really are. They really are. And their staff. If and you're, a lot of them are not governors of Florida. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a huge number. There's a lot, maybe a trillion <laughs> are not governors of Florida. But but it's not just the Congress people. They're, you know, they're the staff members. The staff. I've also lectured several times for the congressional staff about science. And yeah, these they're they're dedicated. They have, they really want to help. And people don't realize it. And, and, and so I think it's worth every now and then giving them a pat on the back. Disirregardless. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Disirregardless. Okay. Disirregardless. Yes, Senator. Of, of, uh, <laughs> of uh, whether the James Webb telescope 
keeps being named mm-hmm. the James Wood Telescope, which it will be. Oh, you don't think they're going to change to no, the? Uh, no, no, I think they're and they're happily. And I'm shocked because in the current climate, I was sure they'd cave in. But uh, but no, they they they've but even the, if it's called. I, I was talking called the, when I talked to Rob. Mm-hmm. He said I'll be very happy to get the data from the Harriet Tubman. Yeah, Harriet Tubman. Uh, I, know. I, I just <laughs> it don't matter what it's called. I don't care at all. Yeah, yeah. Just give me the data. Yeah. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Lay it on me. Call it anything you want. Yeah. Absolutely. What are, What are things that you think are possible learnings that we're getting from this telescope that we couldn't get from Hubble? Learnings. Learning. Yeah. Is, is that a terrible word Learning? to use? No, well, that's, just, it's, it's it'll, not it'll very do nice. this program, I guess. <laughs> uh, good data. <laughs> d- d- that's a good one. Um, no, but what we'll there's a lot we're going to learn from the James Webb. The purpose, first of all, the James Webb Space Telescope measures a frequency of radiation and infrared that uh, that that you can't do from Earth. But it it will do, it'll do two primary things. It's designed initially to be able to see first light. Mm. Okay. Sometime in the first 500 million years of the history of the... Of, of Look the how comfortable he gets. As soon as you say 500 million years... He literally put his foot all, down. All, he did. All, all of his, his continents just become <laughs> relaxed. Yeah, because exactly. you can't ever prove him wrong now. <laughs> yeah, he just right. goes... <laughs> no, because when I say the first time 500 million, it could mean maybe 100 million or a billion. But, but it's somewhere around there. But somewhere in that time, the first stars, basically, the first galaxies formed. And tr- as we try and understand how we got here and how how galaxies formed, we we have lots of ideas about it. But but we've never really seen the first light when the first stars turned on. I mean, we're coming close because what happens? And this is a really important thing too about space experiments. It is interesting that w- that it takes you twenty years to build a space experiment because of all of the all of the difficult aspects of, of operating in space and that means you have to you have to commit to a technology now to design it and engineer it so it can operate in space but in those 20 years guess what happens on earth technology continues to improve so you often see the case and it's happened with hubble and it's happened with other space uh, experiments i know of by the time they got up the ground wasn't that far that far yeah. away Except you cannot, you have to go into space to see infrared radiation. But but there are two things. So first light, and the other thing James Webb will be able to do by looking at, at that same re- wavelength of radiation is look for hot planets. And by hot planets, I mean Earth-like planets. Um, and so is that the term they're using now, hot planets? No, it's a term I used. Okay. <laughs> no, but hot infrared means that you're oh, looking. Oh, I, I see. And so you're looking at you're looking. We just saw the first uh, first planet. Around in another galaxy. In another galaxy. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's still, it's still, it's potentially the first planet in another galaxy. Mm-hmm. It amazes me. You know, I, that's what I love about being a theorist is I am always wrong <laughs> it, about what when I when well, I that's think. That's why we love having you. Yeah, the show, exactly. Because right. we're always we're wrong right. about it. Yeah. Except you're wrong about things. Billions and billions of miles away. away exactly. We're wrong about who played guitar on Springsteen's record. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. You're wrong about things that matter. No, I. But no, my things that matter because they all are ultimately fundamental questions. And I don't mean it wrong in that sense. I just all. It's easy to underestimate experimentalists if you're a theorist, and it's amazing to me. If you ask me to bet, could we ever detect uh, Earth-like planets or or planets around other stars? 20, Thirty years ago, I would say no way. There's no way I would waste. 10 years of my time trying to do that because what the, what you're looking at is you're looking at the stars wobbling mm-hmm. due to the planets going around them. Yeah. But the stars wobble 
at the same speed that you run. So you're looking, you're looking at, you're looking at for a star, five hundred, a thousand light years away, and you're looking for a movement of ten meters per second. <laughs> I mean, who would have said you'd be exactly? You laughed, yes. and I would have said, no, no, no way. No way could we do that. Well, we if it were up to me, there is no way. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, yeah, that's true for sure. <laughs> but 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 they can do that. And then similarly, the notion that you could see planets by watching them go in front of a star is amazing. You're looking at a star, and you're looking for the brightness of the star to change by far less than one percent mm-hmm. as a planet goes. And no, it's a planet, not some other effect. But we can do that. And, and and so uh, and now the next thing is what you'll be able to do hopefully is look at the radiation not just absorbed by the planet but emitted by the planet, which is a, if you're interested in life is a really important thing because you're looking for various frequent oxygen for example free oxygen emits radiation at a certain frequency and you can look for free oxygen which is not a perfect it doesn't guarantee you that there's life in the planet but one thing people don't realize, and I, I didn't until I, I wrote a book called Adam a long time ago. It's a good that, book. That's a really good book. That's a, Thank you. Yeah, it's one of my favorite books. There's a hunk in the middle mm-hmm. where, uh, boy, it gets hard for me. Yeah, it, it, I slowed down. Yeah, there's a little bit. Uh, it gets I made hard. it through. I read it all, and well, I understood you're, it. That you're unique. but no. Uh, <laughs> well, I think there were seven other people who read no, it's that just, book. It's just, it's just uh, he follows one Adam. In its whole life, from the from the beginning of the universe to the end, literally, yeah. and it's it's One still hour. my most for me in some ways the most romantic book I, it I've is. written. It is very romantic. And, 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 wow! And, and uh, it's as I like to say, I think I forget if I said it in the book, but it's it's an atom in a in a, in a glass of water or gla- this glass I'm drinking right now. And and as I like to say, my mom used to say, "Don't touch that. You don't know where it's been." <laughs> 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 but in any case, um, the. Uh, uh, now That's I what forget. your mom still says. Your mom's 100 years old. She's going to be 100 in a month, which is almost a million. <laughs> almost, almost a million. <laughs> She's almost as old as the James Webb is going to be from Earth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, and, but anyway, that we... we um, so uh, there must be a reason I was going there to... to uh, um, it was the learnings of the new the telescope that we can't get from... Yeah, the fact that we can see... So the Oh, yeah, so that... Uh, if we see oxygen, thank you, thank you for learning me. But, um, <laughs> but uh, uh, it, it's 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 st- suggestive because one thing most people don't realize is there was no free oxygen in the early Earth. Right, oxygen is a poison. If there had been free oxygen, there would be no life on Earth because oxygen burns things, and life is just a controlled form of burning. But if oxygen had been around the early history of the earth everything would have been oxidized there wouldn't have been anything any energy left for life to form life created free oxygen so the earth's early atmosphere had none yeah, we so, are we are byproducts of plants yeah we are of course we're byproducts of plants and we are but we are also byproducts of 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 the little bursts for from from the stromatolites of of they died so we could be around not again not like jesus but they died <laughs> so these little single-celled photosynthetic creatures would would basically produce oxygen from carbon dioxide but oxygen was a poison and it would kill them in the process and so over billions of years they they're breathing out little puffs of oxygen um produce the oxygen that's now so who knows what life form is going to need that carbon rich 
atmosphere of Earth it, it, that we've created. We, we've created, exactly. Well, you know, there'll be certain life forms that will. That It's not quite, car- calling it carbon rich is, it's still going to only be four, it's carbon rich from the point of view of infrared radiation, but it's still only 450 parts per million. Uh-huh. But I mean, so ox- it doesn't, it doesn't compare number by number with oxygen, but it has a huge effect in the sun. Um, but anyway, the... the I'm not going to stop them from writing that but, science but fiction so, novel. So the, it's a real good question that people are now asking is, what is a telltale signature for life? Uh, other than hearing, you know, who, you know, who are you and, and that sort of thing. And, and it's interesting because even it turns out free oxygen is by itself not unambiguous evidence for life. And this is going to be a problem. And it, and it allows me to piss on another area of science. Um, astrobiology has become a really big area. Mm-hmm. But it's a really big area without a lot of content. Because you're making shit up. No, because right now we are making shit up. Yeah, astrobiology has very little data, mm-hmm. and so it. Well, we don't astrobiology even understand has no data. Um, well, no, but now what we know that? some data, like how, what the fraction of stars that have planets that might be, you know, them for which there might be liquid water. Oh, Goldilocks. Yeah, but even that, even that, don't believe when you hear it, because the Earth we would suggest is in a Goldilocks zone. You'd, mm-hmm. you'd think the Earth is habitable, right? Yeah, well, we were creating Goldilocks. Yeah, but so for that's various why. times in yeah. its history, the Earth was frozen over, frozen mm-hmm. solid, even though it's in the Goldilocks zone. Mm-hmm. Because the planet, because the, whether the Earth w- was frozen solid or not depends on how much solar sunlight is reflected. And at various times, the, plan- the continents have come together and separated in the Earth's history. And about six or seven hundred million years ago, there was a large supercontinent that reflected light enough that, in fact, the, 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 it called Snowball Earth. There's good evidence that the Earth was a snowball. So even if you're told that a planet's in the Goldilocks zone, you can't be guaranteed there's liquid water on its surface. So there's a lot we don't know. Is all, we don't even know how life originated on Earth. So while it gets a lot of hype, it's really worth realizing that a lot of the claims of, about astrobiology and about finding life are are overstated and that's okay but because we have a lot to learn but also the idea that you would well i'm going to open another can of bees here okay. the idea that that comes with consciousness oh yeah is we can't even get close to no because we don't understand what consciousness we have no is. idea what talking about. no one knows what consciousness is okay so i did cheat a little we talked wait about, a minute we talked about caught you red-handed yeah a little bit we talked about consciousness but only a little time <laughs> we only talked about one author who sucked yeah That's yeah, yeah. We talked about. A little, i'm sorry we did we couldn't all right all right but we were unconscious when we were doing it but um but uh, but consciousness is a is a is a is a something that's really not understood and and uh, as i say it's it, the best definition i think is like pornography that you know it when you see it yeah. like art and uh, i was I, I, a religious person was arguing with me and said uh and said uh okay well then if there's no god explain to me what consciousness is and i said i'm glad you asked that <laughs> because i know wait a minute no i don't <laughs> <laughs> but you know i've seen on mugs now a meme for me but it's an important one that i said over and again that not understanding something is not evidence for god it's evidence of not understanding exactly, something yes and that's really important to, to, to and recognize. that originates with you right well, I, yeah. yeah, yeah, it does originate with me, as far as I know, and uh, and 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 yeah, and it's but it's very important to realize because because of course not understand the fact that people say and you know I don't know we're going to get into religion bashing here right now, but but it always amazes me people say yes, but but you'll never understand this, you know. Mm-hmm. And I say, well, how do you know we'll never understand it? You must understand it then, right? Because if you, otherwise, how and 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 
And then not understanding it, it, it is your way of not understanding it is saying God did it. So, right. okay, that's it. You've also not understood. Yeah, yeah, it's a not, just another way of saying not understanding. But also, those aren't also, it's even deeper than that. Mm-hmm. Those are not in any way related. Absolutely. If you don't understand algebra, yeah, that doesn't mean anything except that you don't understand it, algebra. Exactly. <laughs> it, it, it just means you don't. And what's and what's good about that, as we you know said before, is recognizing that you don't because there's a possibility of understanding it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you're you're the perfect example. I mean, as knowing you as a friend, you have taken thing more than anyone I know. I shouldn't say this in public, but I will have l- taken obstacles of things you are not able to do and said, I'm going to be able to do that, and did it. And I admire that tremendously. Well, that's because I have so many things that are not <laughs> yeah. But let, let, let's get back to James yeah. Webb, who's okay. up there in space. Yeah. Now that I know it's further away than the moon, yeah. Yeah. which was a brand new information for well, me. Well, I'm glad I'm, I'm, I've served my purpose. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, now that I know, they did use... The analogy, they didn't want to use meters. They used yeah. the analogy football field somewhere. Uh-huh. Maybe there's that much material. You, well, yeah, probably thousands, if not millions of miles of, of cabling and other things that are probably there. And it is, what is, <laughs> we're going to go way remedial here. Okay. What is the surface of the telescope? It's not a lens. It's not like we would picture a telescope, right? Well, yeah, it's not like, you, well, it's, it's. It is a lens, but it, it's a, it, it's it's a carefully uh, crafted material that has to have that has to be able to. Um, it doesn't have to like modern telescopes, which may surprise people on Earth, don't have to be a single lens because we have the technology to combine light mm-hmm. from different things, and so this is along those lines. It's going to open up and be kind of a honeycomb-like structure. Each part of the honeycomb is contributing received light but again now again mostly infrared light not visible light so it doesn't it doesn't look like a visible lens and it's going to have infrared receivers that are carefully tuned to be able to detect waves coherently and you have to do that to understand you have to be able to detect light on different parts of the telescope coherently and what i mean by that can i say it in a way that's clear in a way so that we can combine them to get what would be if it was a if it was visual optical information, mm-hmm. it, because the the larger the, tele, the 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 receiving surface, the the more the smaller the thing you can see, right? Just because of what's called optics, and this is optics with infrared light, but it, it requires being able to manipulate coherently. Light is a particle as well as a wave. So particles of light depends on whether you're looking or not. Yeah, exactly. It depends on whether you're looking or not. But but so so you're detecting individual particles of light with these receivers, but but there's a relationship between the different particles that arrive in different parts of the telescope that that mean that the whole the whole uh, confluence of your of of what you're receiving is a wave. So you're seeing a lot of a lot of particles that have what's called a phase relationship. So that and that's where all the information lies. So it's a honeycomb-like object. And I, How fat is the honeycomb stuff? This whole big area. I honestly don't know. I, I don't know. I assume it's as thin as it can be because weight is the big the big villain in space exploration. So I would suspect it's it's extremely light and and thin because it doesn't need to. Once it's out there, it doesn't need. And what stops uh, shit from hitting it? There's just not that much shit around to hit it. There's not. There there will be shit hitting it, but very small shit. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's just not there's not stuff out there to hit it. That's that's amazing. And you've got to keep it away from the sun. So that's the other great thing. Again, going back to its orbit, if it's always pointing away from the sun, as it goes around the sun, it will continue to point away from the sun. And that's a smart thing to do. It keeps looking out into... Uh... And that's why, that's by the way, what, why it doesn't have to be maneuverable. Because it's orbiting around the sun, so it's always, you know, in, in whatever, I forget what the period of its orbit is, but it's probably close to a year, is it's seeing the entire sky. Well, if it's coming behind... The Earth, isn't it going to be a year automatically? If it's in the same orbit as the Earth? Well, approximately the same orbit yeah. as the Earth. Yeah, so it's probably a year-ish. And, uh, and um, uh, yeah, so it, it, and so that means so during we'll that time... So be able to know when it's springtime on the web. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are the odds that when it gets up there that we're going to be like, oh, we should have put that on there? Oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> and, and, and no, 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 but I'm sure... The people who are working on it, and I actually have some colleagues who are working on it, they're saying, shit, I wish this had been developed 10 years ago because I would have put that instrument on or I would have built that instrument differently because we have so much better receivers. We have so much more sensitive stuff, and you just can't. That's the problem in working in space. Everybody working on the web telescope gets up every morning like Pete Best. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) I could have just, god Uh, damn. And it, it, it's, uh, yeah, exactly. They also all hate Ringo. <laughs> but that's why we also need telescopes on Earth, because we can do things now on Earth. Right. That we, and that's another reason that the same wokeness that is getting in the way of the naming of this James Webb Telescope is getting in the way of science being done on Earth. We're building, that's only eight meters, on, on Earth we're proposing these humongous telescopes. That one is what's called the 30-meter telescope, which was designed and built and ready to go on Mauna Kea, uh, I think it's Mauna Kea, in, in Hawaii, and hasn't been built because it's sacred land. Yeah. And it's, and, and it's sad that, that that's happening. In- and it's amazing how many non-Christians, I mean, um, people who were raised Christian mm-hmm. and do no longer, no longer respect Christianity automatically respect the word spiritual when from another culture. You know, it... It's even, if it's even worse than that, there were two scientists whose lecture, this is what's happening, where lecture was removed, it was from a, from a um, um, I don't know whether it's a paleontology co- conference or maybe, maybe anthropology, because they made this very point. They said, we don't respect creationism anymore when it comes to Christian creationism. Yet, right. at the same time, we're giving a bands to, to, to Native American indigenous creationism, will- which is just as nonsensical. Underline that they are not stupider. Yeah. They are exactly the same it, level of stupid. Yeah. Precisely. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, 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 well, the same level, different words, same level of ignorance. I mean, yeah. they, you know, they developed at a time when we were ignorant. Right. And that's fine. They were, reason, they were interesting explanations at a time when he knew nothing. And we now but we exactly know. exactly equal. Exactly. Equal. There's no way to, yeah, they're know, not. it's pr- like the people that, uh, that uh, make fun of Scientology. Yeah. You go, okay, but. Look in the mirror and say that monkey face. Exactly. That's the only answer <laughs> yeah. you could possibly give to a Christian who's trans, who's tr- uh, ripping on ripping on Scientology. Yeah, yeah. is and look in the mirror and say that monkey but, face. But somehow that's the only argument. But but what's what's sad is we're making it not seem not stupid, or we're making it elevate as right. if it's some profoundly wonderful thing that these early uh, indigenous cultures had had something, and we now have to respect it as if it's knowledge equal to what we know. And it, th- this first came out. More than a decade ago, for me, do you, do you remember the Kennewick Man? Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, and it, here was a 
eight or ten thousand year old skull discovered in Kennewick, Washington. Um, and the Umatilla Native American tribe claimed it as their own. They didn't want it to be studied. And, and that's another thing. A skull that's 10,000 years old has genetically probably as much relationship to the Umatilla Indians as it does to you. Yeah, sure. In many ways. And so all of this nonsense about it's sacred and, 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 and it, you know, it, it's okay. It, look, I don't mind people. It's, it's, it's what Chomsky says to me. What you, what people think is okay, it's what they do that that's a problem. And I don't mind if people have you know. But a lot of times it starts with the thinking. Exactly, because <laughs> it always starts with thinking. That's the problem because the thinking influences what you do, and then you make stupid decisions like not studying a skull or not building something because you know that mountain is sacred, and or 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 not or or teaching deciding that. There's equal time. We already got over, and I fought this 20 years ago, equal time for creationism in public schools. I fought that. That's probably how one, one of the ways I became known among the public. But now, in university courses, we're giving equal time for indigenous cosmology, which is bullshit. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, that's another way of calling it. They also didn't, they didn't put the web up. Yeah, they didn't put the web up. And that's right. And it's and culturally it's, it's sort of confused the hell out of people having that called the web yeah. when the internet is also called yeah, the I web. Yeah, I know it's good. That's and why I go with the Harriet Tubman. Tubman. Uh, you know, I never liked the name James Webb because he was a NASA administrator. I kind of would have liked him to, to be after some scientists. Yeah. But but the argument I, I wanted to be named after a juggler. So yeah, they, yeah, they, I wanted to be the Francis Brun <laughs> telescope. That's right. The Bobby May. If you if you donated a small fraction of your considerable fortune, it could have been. Hey, let's talk about best fiends, okay? Best fiends. It's a uh, match three or casual mobile puzzle game. It's the busiest time of year. So if you need a break from the holiday action, Best Fiends is the perfect pick-me-up. It's seriously a great great game. It's a match three style puzzle and adventure game all rolled into one. With with more levels being added all the time, there's always something new to play. So it has it all. It has a storyline, collectible, fiends, and tons of fun puzzles. You can't stop. It's probably the best puzzle game out there. You know, if you got no Wi-Fi, no problem. You can play Best Fiends wherever, whenever you want with offline mode. So even if your holiday travels take you off the beach, path you can still play best fiends okay now i'm uh, not to brag but i'm getting pretty good at this so there's always a fresh challenge waiting we need a mental pick me up it is a uh, it's a fabulous it's a fabulous game once you start playing 100 million downloads uh it, it it's a casual gameplay that fits right into your lifestyle so so check it out it's free to download okay download Best Fiends free today on the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Got that? Friends without the R. Best Fiends. Check it out. It's a perfect way to kind of break up all the, all the stuff you're doing in the holiday action. Check out Best Fiends, okay? Check that out. You'll love it. Let me talk to you about this. The holidays are just around the corner. Are you looking for the perfect gift for your loved ones? I got to tell you, finding gifts is a hard thing, and this is a great thing. It's a frame you give to your mom, your dad, your grandmother, any sort of relative, and they just makes them feel like they're there for the holidays. It's a frame, a beautiful 
beautiful frame, and you send pictures to it. I mean, I mean, uh, both Matt and Godot, and and I have one, of course, but Matt and Godot also have them. Godot got it for his dad, and he and his sister send pictures to him all the time. It makes him part of the family. It pops up. It's really easy to install. Donnelly's father has one. He has, like, whatever it is, six children. They all send him stuff. Skylight Frame is a photo frame you can update instantly by email from anywhere. A great way to feel close to those you love even when you're separated sets up effortlessly in under 60 seconds. And that's no jive. Even I was able to do it. Just plug it in, use the touch screen to connect to your wireless network, and enjoy. Sending photos to Skylight is effortless. Everyone in the family can just mail them to your personal Skylight email address, and they pop up in seconds. Multiple people send photos to the frame. It's a great way to keep a large network of friends and family in touch. It's a beautiful black frame with a white mat so it looks like a real photo frame that adds beautiful touch to your home. Gorgeous 10-inch touchscreen, 100% satisfaction guaranteed. If you don't love your skylight, they'll offer you a full refund and you can preload it with your favorite photos. It's a great personalized gift. It is just wonderful, okay? So uh, so check it out. Now is a special office. You can get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com and enter the code PEN. That's right. To get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame, just go to skylightframe.com and enter code PEN. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E.com, promo code PEN. P-E-N-N. It's it's the perfect gift. I mean, you're done worrying about that gift. It's a great one. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Now, we've got about 20 minutes left. Okay. Explain dark matter. <laughs> I was gonna say my brother is a uh, a physics major, and well, he was he graduated. Uh, and I, I I asked him if he had any questions, and he just oh. sent me an article on the black hole paradox, black hole information paradox. Oh God, okay, jeez, okay, dark matter. Let's start with dark matter because it's simple. Then we'll get the black holes because that's fantastic. That's crazy. Um, Your brother does what? He's a physics major. Now he's a coder, uh-huh. uh, but he was but a, he did a computer science and physics major okay. yeah. in okay. college. Yeah, I know a lot of physicists do on do other things. It's a good training for lots of other things, as I used to say. Dark matter is is um, dark matter is probably the e- one of the easier mysteries in terms of the existing mysteries in the cosmos. There's a lot of kitty porn, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's it, you know there are lots of there are lots of candidates for dark matter, and. Um, and, oh, I won't even go to, into naming some of the papers I've written because in the modern climate that would be bad. Okay. But um, the uh, it, it's just really quite not simple. the modern weather, the modern climate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that, that's very good. Thank you for thank you for because I did work. And by the way, black holes may be renamed, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, because it's you know whatever. And um, uh, dark matter is simply. Um, <laughs> matter blackface. I won't say that. No, um, dark matter is uh, just simply the fact that when we weigh our galaxy and all the other galaxies, they weigh too much. And they weigh a lot more than you can account for by adding up 
everything we know that is normal there. And by that doesn't mean just the stars and gas, but we actually can count more or less how much in the way of protons and neutrons, the stuff that makes you and I up in. And we, we, we now weigh those systems, and we can weigh them by using gravity to weigh things. By saying, Yeah, what, what does weight mean in this context? Well, yeah. Well, it means you could, you could determine the mass. You're right. It's a, you're, it's a good point. It, you're determining the mass, not their weight. Right. Because weight is different than mass, okay? You would, weigh some, you would weigh something different on the moon, you know, than you would on, on the earth because the gravitational force of the, the... But your mass would still be the same. Right. And so we can determine the mass that's out there, the amount of stuff that's out there. And, and it is literally a factor of 5 to 10 more than we can be accounted for by all of the protons and neutrons that we know exist. And, and so we, we, think we weigh it to use that yeah. by by seeing how much gravity there is right it, well, it all comes down to gravity well you know it it, it we we at, as i often say physics is like hollywood you know if it works just keep repeating it over and over <laughs> again and it's just that way we weigh the, how do we know the mass of the earth well some, Matt, we weigh it. We, some of us don't yeah, yeah, yeah. we weigh it <laughs> oh very good but how so so how do we do it we know the mass of the earth by seeing how fast the moon goes around the earth Okay, that's, yeah. that's the way that's the first way we determine the mass of the earth it's still the way we more or less can determine the mass of the earth because the motion of the moon by newton's law of gravity the speed of the moon around the earth if the earth was heavier the moon would be going faster around it mm -hmm. and so we can weigh the earth and that was it literally the first uh, i love this in fact because it was a very important thing even back then, Cavendish, I thought when I was a postdoc, I learned that in order to get other scientists to read my papers, I had to come up with a sexy title. Mm -hmm. He was the first person to measure the strength of gravity. Newton developed the theory of gravity, but, but gravity was too weak for him to measure it. It took 100 years before this guy Cavendish was able to measure the gravitational attraction between two cannonballs of known mass. Mm -hmm. and, and he determined what we now call Newton's constant. What did he call that paper? Did he call that paper on measuring the strength of gravity or on determining Newton's constant? No, he called it weighing the Earth. Because you once you know the strength of gravity, then you can use it to determine the mass of the Earth by seeing how fast the moon goes around it. We determine the mass of the sun by seeing how, how fast the Earth and the other planets go around the sun. And similarly, we determine the mass of our galaxy by, by seeing how objects at the edge of the galaxy, which are, like our sun, which orbit the galaxy every 200 million years, that that the fact that the sun goes around the the galaxy every 200 million years tells us that the mass of the galaxy within the orbit of the sun is about 100 billion times the mass of the sun 100 billion stars then we go out and measure it we measure 100 billion stars and we jump up and down and say it works but then when we go out to further distances uh, so i want to point out i was completely right by saying gravity go ahead yeah you were absolutely you were completely right I mean, let's, let's not let's not i don't know that. why we even asked him we should just had you talk yeah, exactly i don't know why i'm even talking he can do it. but but uh but anyway when so it all works but the problem is when we go out further than the sun where there isn't stuff we can still there's little test particles there's little satellite galaxies and clusters of gas we can measure how fast those are going around the sun and they're going around too fast the only way they could be doing that is if there's 10 times as much stuff inside their orbit as we can account for with all the stars. And that was the first discovery. So the dark, dark matter, matter, whatever it is, is uh, having gravitation to pull. Yeah, and it's really not that exotic. It's just stuff that gravitates like normal matter, but it doesn't shine. 
But we know, and you might say, well, that can be lots of things. It could be uh, snowballs. It could be pornography. Lots of things that, you know, that only exist in the dark. But, but we can actually, but this is the beauty. We actually know from a lot of other tests we can do in the universe how much normal stuff there is, even the dark stuff. How much normal stuff, and by normal stuff, I mean protons and neutrons, the stuff that makes everything up in this room. We know how much of the stuff there is, and we know it's too little to account for the amount of stuff that, is, that makes up dark matter. And that's why we're convinced it's a new form of matter, a new type of elementary particle. But it falls in a gravitational field just like you and I do. It, the difference now, is you and I reflect light, which is why I can see you. This is what I've... I don't understand about okay. dark matter. Everything okay. else I understand. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> okay, you'll explain it to me after the show. No, but is dark matter equally distributed? No. Is dark matter in this room? Uh, well, no, there is dark... I mean, in a sense, yes. We are being... The great thing about the dark matter that we are pretty confident it's made of, if it's a new type of elementary particle that doesn't interact with light, then it goes right through this room and right through the Earth without even knowing it was there. Because, the, because gravity is so weak, if it, the only force it really feels is gravity, it's so weak that it can go right through the Earth. So, in fact, it literally is uniformly distributed here in this room, although it's actually got a flow, because the Earth is moving through this sea of dark mm -hmm. matter as it moves around the galaxy. And we use that. We're using that to build experiments to look for dark matter. Because we can build an experiment, not in this room, but deep underground. Mm -hmm. Why deep underground, Matt? Oh, because uh, it doesn't interact with light, and there's no light under the ground. That sounds good, but actually there's another argument. And that, 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 that is, that in this room, if we built a dark matter detector, it would, it, would, it, would, it would quickly die, because there's so much other stuff, cosmic rays and everything else bombarding us. We have to put it underground, deep underground, so all the cosmic rays get shielded. And then, in principle, the only stuff that can make it down there is dark matter. And in this uniform distribution of dark matter for, through which we're flowing... Well, then, every now and then, one of those dark matter particles will bounce off a normal matter particle, and we might detect it. And there are a host of detectors that are being built, including an experiment that I'm actually on that's going to be, be looking for. Now, you're, but that's also, what are neutrinos, then? Neutrinos are exact, what neutrinos were are the poster child for what dark matter could have been. I see. <laughs> because neutrinos, you might say, well, it's ridiculous to talk about particles that don't interact and, you know. Neutrinos are perfect. They're my favorite particles in nature. Neutrinos are produced by the sun right now, going through Matt's head. Every second of every day are 6,000 billion neutrinos. During the day, they're coming from above, because where the sun is, and at night, they're coming up through your bedroom, through your bed, and through your body. Think of that wow. when you're trying to sleep. Because, Actually, uh, yeah. because neutrinos are real particles, but they only interact by something called the weak interaction, which is so weak that the average neutrino from the sun will go through something like 10,000 light years of lead before having a single interaction. And so and that's and, because uh, the matter that we see is so solid and so no, there no. is so incredibly empty, right? It's incredibly empty. Incredibly empty. Incredibly empty. Most of uh, an atom is mostly solid. Yeah, even a single atom is mostly 100 a th one part in 100,000 is is the matter the matter is most of the atom is empty space. But if you don't but electromagnetism is a long range force. So that's the reason that that's the reason that my put my hand on this chair here. It doesn't go through the chair. The electric fields in my hand interact with the electric fields in the hand. But if it what if I didn't interact electromagnetically, I'd go right through the chair and and right through the earth. And that's what neutrinos don't have those electromagnetic interactions. And so they were the first dark matter candidate because not only 
are they invisible? But if they just had a little teeny mass, they're produced in the Big Bang. If they had a little teeny mass, we calculated if they were at a mass that's roughly one ten thousandth of the mass of an electron, they would be enough to account for all the dark matter in the universe today. And they were the first prototypical dark matter candidate. The problem is they aren't. We now know they don't have that mass. I mean, it was a beautiful idea. It was a beautiful idea, but it was I'm wrong. just so proud of myself for thinking this comparison yeah, with neutrinos. Exactly. You know, I actually you, was on a, my improv team in New York was called Neutrino, and we used to put <laughs> through a million miles of lead on our <laughs> slogan. And I didn't realize how much we didn't understand yeah, about neutrinos but, until right now. Until right now. <laughs> and they're, they're amazing particles. But, but you were right on track. Neutrinos would be the... Were the and, and it looked beautiful. In fact, in the 1980s, there was a calculation that showed if there were 30, what's it called, 30 electron volts, about one ten thousandth the mass of an electron, they would be dark matter. And guess what? There was a Russian experiment that measured their mass to be 30 electron volts. And we solved the problem. The problem is the experiment was wrong. And that happens in science. And the great thing about science is, even though it's a beautiful idea, and it would solve everything so simply and neatly, once we knew it was wrong, we threw it out like yesterday's newspaper. And, that, and the final solution may not be as pretty for us. We've invented, we proposed a whole new set of particles, like neutrinos, but much heavier, that might be not dark matter. And it turns out for particle physics reasons, there are good reasons to think those particles exist. We're also looking for them directly at the Large Hadron Collider in Geneva, and that's what makes it exciting, because there are these deep underground experiments looking for dark matter from the beginning of time, or we might create it in the laboratory in Geneva, and we don't know who's going to do it first. Now, but the kind of thing they're going to be, is there going to be a kind of thing like neutrino, right? Well, it, we think it'll be like, uh, uh, the best guess, well, there are two guesses. For one type of particle called a WIMP, which is named after the first President Bush. Um, <laughs> uh, no, it's kind of for weakly interacting massive particle. Um, <laughs> it looks just like a very heavy neutrino. And it turns out that our theories of particle physics predict such particles to exist uh, in the stand in, in, if we go beyond what's called the standard model. Uh, something called supersymmetry predicts such particles. So there are lots of reasons to think they exist. There's another type of particle that's been proposed to be dark matter, which is quite different, called an axion, which is named after a laundry detergent. It was <coughs> named by the inventor. Uh, who al he always wanted to create a part. He saw the axion, the laundry detergent, and he always wanted to have an excuse to use that name. And when, he, when this theory came up that predicted this particle to exist, there were good reasons. It had to, what's called, had to do with what's called an axial symmetry in nature. He called it an axion. But it's very different than a neutrino. It's very, very different. And there are experiments, different kinds of experiments that can look for that. And the interesting thing is, the real stuff may be neither of those. We don't know. But, there, but we may know in our lifetime. That's what's kind of neat. Someone who explained this to me wrong or something I read that explained it wrong. It, this would not be particles that filled in those spaces within the, uh, within the um, uh, electrons. No, 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 no. No, this no. Should, no it wouldn't be. There is a, there is a, there's no way that everything is solid. There no, really is space. No, and in fact, if wimps are the dark matter, the number of wimps per cubic centimeter is, is, is actually very small. Probably about one, uh, probably the number of wimps is probably about one per cubic, little less than one per cubic meter in, 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 in our galaxy. One per cubic meter, which is really none. none. 
And the reason is, and that's why it's so hard to detect, because we live in an anom anomalous region of our galaxy. In most of our galaxy, the average density of matter is one proton per cubic meter. So if you, if you add something that's 10 times more massive than a proton, and there's one of them per cubic meter, on the average of the whole galaxy, it's significant. But in the Earth, there are 10 to the 24 particles per cubic centimeter. And so we live in an anomalous region which just has a lot more matter than the average. And that's why it's so hard for us to detect dark matter. Cosmically, it's significant, but here on Earth, it's completely insignificant. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, it, otherwise we'd be able to detect it gravitationally. And so- See, I feel like I understand what he's saying. But as soon as he leaves the room, you won't. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. <laughs> that is, that is, there's some sort of weird observer effect. Yeah. That that's, when that's, somebody's explaining something, you get it. And then it goes away. It's just like yeah, I can't like wait for like a dark, no, dark here's matter. the good thing, which I tell all my physics students. So that happens, and then the second time you hear it, you say, "Oh, I've heard that before." That's <laughs> 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 you know, so I feel a lot more comfortable. Uh, and, yeah. But it's true, and it, it, that familiarity do, does help. It's something my wife says all the time. I knew that. I just didn't remember it. And I say, very odd definition of knowing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, it's true. It is true. It's an odd it, definition. Knowing. It is an odd definition. I didn't it, want to just do. The, want to just bang out. The, we we covered the dark matter. Yeah, we sort of covered the dark matter. Yeah. yeah. Now just uh, bang out the uh, the, the black, black hole, hole stuff. Black holes. Yeah. Black holes are fascinating, not just because they are exotic and and places that where time it may end. And you know, black hole is. It's, it's in one sense quite simple. It's just an object whose gravity, surface gravity is so great that the escape velocity is faster than the speed of light. And since nothing can go faster than the speed of light, not even light can escape the black hole. It's really mm -hmm. quite simple. If I took a teaspoonful of material and added it to the Earth, the, right now the escape velocity from the Earth is 11 kilometers per second. That's, and that's why NASA has to do what it has to do. You want to get the James Webb Space Telescope to escape the Earth's gravity, you got to put it on a on a rocket that'll achieve a speed of 11 kilometers per second, period. But if I added a teaspoonful of material then the, to the Earth, then the escape velocity would be a little higher, and a little higher, and a little higher. And actually, interestingly enough, it was a, a doctor, uh, um, a British doctor, um, who was also a, a, a reverend, who uh, in over 100 years ago, maybe 200 years ago, f did the first estimate, saying, if I had something like the sun and the density of the sun, how big would it be, have to be, before the escape velocity was bigger than the speed of light? He actually did the calculation, a guy named Michel, and, and it was like 500 times the mass of the sun at the same density of the sun. And so, that's all a black hole is. And by the way, black holes may seem exotic, but the interesting thing is, well, and they are, because light can't escape from them, and, they're, and you're destined to collapse to a singularity at the center and all the rest. But, they're also not so exotic. A black hole, the mass of the sun right now, would be the size of uh, maybe Las Vegas. It would be incredibly dense. Each teaspoonful of material before it became a black hole would be billions of tons, literally. Okay, And we tend to think of that. Black holes is really exotic. But since the amount of material, the more material you have, the more the gravitational impact is of that material, it doesn't have to be as dense and still be a black hole. If you took a black hole the mass of our galaxy, its average density at the time it became a black hole would be the density of water. 
Now, here's something I learned when I was 17 that really blew me away. If you took a black hole the mass of our universe and asked what would its density be at the time it became a black hole, it would be within a factor of two of the actual density of the universe. And in fact, a closed universe, which is going to collapse on itself, which is not the one we live in, is really nothing other than a kind of cosmic black hole. Very slow. So we could be li we could literally ha be living inside of a black hole. It's not so bad. Well, depending on where you live. <laughs> and, and so anyway, so so black holes are very different than, depending on the kind of black hole they are. But what Stephen Hawking discovered, which is was fascinating, and what made him famous among physicists, is that sure, classically everything falls into a black hole, but once you add quantum mechanics, things get kind of weird. And one of the weird things, and this is a way of thinking about it that's not 100% perfect, but it'll work for, here, for our purposes. Great. <laughs> empty, space, empty space, as you may know if you've read any of my books, is really a boiling, bubbling brew of virtual particles that are popping in and out of existence because of the laws of quantum mechanics and relativity. They pop in and out of existence, pairs of particles, and they're antiparticles. They, and electrons and positrons appear and they disappear in a time scale so short we can't measure them. But what would happen if such a pair appeared in, in outside a black hole and one of the particles of the pair fell into a black hole. Then the other particle could escape to infinity and black holes would appear to radiate. And Hawking calculated that black holes should radiate. We call it Hawking radiation. And black holes will radiate, eventually will disappear if Hawking is right completely due to this law of quantum mechanics. But there's the problem because the laws of physics say information cannot be destroyed. I mean, it can be practically destroyed, like I could light a piece of paper on fire and I, and I wouldn't know it was on the piece of paper. But in principle, if I got every bit of ash and every bit of light from that fire and all the rest, I could work backwards and figure out what was in that piece of paper. That's what the laws of physics tell me. That's what they do on CSI. Exactly. Yeah. That's what they do on CSI, which violates the laws of physics all the time. <laughs> but, but with a black hole, you have a Cadillac or, or two minis falling into a black hole. Same amount of mass. Once they're in the black hole, you don't know what fell in. That's okay because it's all, it's all right not to know, but that information should be stored in the black hole, right? But what if the black hole disappears? Where did the information go? The Hawking radiation is just thermal radiation. It doesn't carry any information. And that violates a fundamental law of physics, which is this, uh, and a law of quantum mechanics, which is that information is preserved. And so if Hawking radiation leads to the disappearance of black holes, then there's something drastically going wrong with the laws of physics. And that's why it's interesting. We don't know the answer. It's a, it's a paradox, and paradoxes are good because they focus our minds. But no, no, when someone tells you they solved the information loss paradox, don't believe them. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That is, that's the answer I'm taking to my brother right there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm serious. It's a real problem, and perhaps we'll actually have to have a quantum theory of gravity, which we don't have, if we're going to solve that problem. And that could come from some young person who may be listening to this today because we don't know the answer but as as Feynman would say to his son but maybe one day you'll figure it out yeah, yeah. maybe no one does maybe you'll figure it out what a nice way to end that was Perfect. in Sunday school with Lawrence Krauss cha 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 you become naked Now, I wonder what's wrong with me that we're playing this show. I wonder right. if I'm in England 
or if I'm sick with some new kind of cold. <laughs> right. <laughs> but something is wrong with me yeah. that we're playing this show. Well, there could be something wrong with you that you decided to do the show. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we love you. And uh, Matt, you got anybody to thank? I do. But it would be so embarrassing if we figure out this paradox before we air this episode. Because, <laughs> <laughs> boy, they had no idea. Yeah. Now everybody knows. <laughs> so, 20th century. <laughs> hey, thanks for listening. And, of course, it's time to celebrate. And, of course, thank out loud our loyal members of our congregation. Folks like Brogan Hastings, Placida Scott, Dante Peace, Damian Martin, Adam Luce Loves Matthew, Michael Penn and Reddy, Timo Tehoff, Mark Pickenheim, Miriam Ingalls, Scott Kelly, Kelly M., Adam Burzens, Chris Marvin, Fractured Adventures, Carlos Alvarez, Michael Cornwall, Ross Devereaux, Rude Dudley, Ryan Matthews, Jeff Bacher, Eric Dobell, Michael Torbay, Elon Lee, Leah B., and Jacob McCulley. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 